270 of the Sleeper in the Bus. It is your Thursday edition, and I am Paul Sporer. Joined, as always, on Thursdays by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going, man? I'm so very tired. I that, just, that's a similar like, story, then. That's probably something I, I, I feel like I've heard I that one. I don't, don't want to complain the same way I always complain, but this kid... I, don't have children. <laughs> this, this little human. I mean, these little humans, I tell you what, they're crazy. I actually literally held him up in the air and looked at him while he was crying at me like at 2 a.m. last night and was like, what? What? <laughs> what? Want? How can I help you? Yeah, exactly. How might I be able to help you? Um, <laughs> yeah, thankfully, uh, Charlotte, the puppy, is, is sleeping through the night. I don't have... Sometimes I hold her up in the air and ask her why she's biting me. <laughs> that hurts stop biting my face but uh never i don't get an answer either so we're in the same boat there you know we got call-ups to talk about today potential call-ups we're kind of speculating a little bit actually just kind of giving a read on how we feel about some prospects um both at the high end and maybe some guys who have who have ascended this season who maybe weren't populating the top 100 100 lists prior to the season, but obviously with graduation and their own performance are knocking on the door and could also get a chance at, at being called up. And then we'll finish uh, finish up talking about some big Augusts from some way off the radar guys. One guy we're kind of checking back in on after he had a hot weekend that we talked about, Jackie Bradley Jr. But other guys are just, uh, you know, guys we've talked about here and there. But they're not expected to be high-impact players necessarily, and they have been in August. And I want to see kind of where you're at with them with regard to maybe their September outlook, but even more importantly, their 2016 and beyond outlook for a lot of these guys because uh, some of them have some prospect status. But let's start with the potential call-ups, and we'll start at the very top you know, because everyone's going to ask about it. I was going to not bring them up because I don't really see anything happening. But by the way, the fact that I'm saying this now means he'll get called up and put up a 950 OPS in September. You can bank on that. But it's Corey Seager. And my my issue isn't with Seager at all. And no, nothing like that. He's fantastic. I think he's going to be a very good player. But the same issue that has uh, dogged him all year in terms of getting up to the majors exists. Where is he going to play? Um, you know, they've added, in fact, since then with Chase Utley. So, you know, you're just blocking him off everywhere. If you were going to install him at shortstop, you should have done it months ago anyway. You don't want to bring him up in September of a pennant-chasing team and say, hey, you're the shortstop now. Don't 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 mess it up. So um, first off, do you see Seager getting called up? And if so, what, what do you see out of that? But uh, for me, best I could see is a, a bench role where he gets a little bit of the taste, but that's it. And I think, you know, honestly, it's going to be – uh, the the sad clown uh, for all of these guys because September is not usually when you call up a guy and install him into you know an everyday role. Yeah. September is September is uh, you know I actually asked um, the uh, AJ Hinch the Astros manager when he came to town recently if he liked September baseball because it's so different. So different, yeah. And uh, you know he wouldn't tell me he didn't, but there was a little bit of a look, and then he said, "Well, it's tricky." And, uh, he, you know, he talked about how everybody has different roster sizes and everyone seems to have 30 relievers and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, th I think that's what we're going to see mostly are pinch runners and uh, and relievers. And I don't think that Seager really fits the bill for either of those. And so I doubt the Dodgers are going to spend major league time, you know, major league uh, arbitration, you know, service time basically on Corey Seager for him to be the third second baseman 
and the third third baseman. Fourteenth third baseman. Yeah. Ninety eighth shortstop behind Kershaw. He's actually behind Kershaw on the on the shortstop depth chart. That's what's weird. Well, I think he probably. I mean, he might be a. He might be above Kike at short. I mean, Kike no, Hernandez is yeah, I, I agree. super I agree. useful, but you know, short's not his best position. So he'd be he'd be the backup shortstop at best. But you know, I agree with you that they're not handing the keys over necessarily. And Ron's has been a bit, a little bit better of late. So yeah, exactly. Now would be the almost the worst time to do it because Ron's maybe is coming out of it, and I don't know how much it will help, if at all. But getting his his former double play uh, partner Chase Utley you know, can liven him up a little bit. I don't know if it's going to change his bat or anything, but uh, the defense could de- definitely be even better at that point. So I, I don't know. The, the thing for me is I'm very fantasy focused here, obviously, when we're doing a fantasy podcast, and I just don't see where he could have the impact. So that's, that's where <laughs> the, I uh, the, get hung up. The impact that I see is so small, but it would be the weirdest, uh, the weirdest way for these guys to make an impact. But I, I see a potential impact in that bullpen, which is really hurting. And people were talking about how bad the bullpen is. There's a couple of, of top prospects, Jose De Leon yep. and uh, Julio Urias. Those guys, they're young-ish. I mean, Urias is really young. Super both young, yeah. of them, You know, both of them have de- decent polish. And Urias, you know, anybody who talks about him talks about how polished he looks for his age. So I could see, and neither of them have a ton of innings left, I don't think. Um, so it would be an interesting way to sort of add innings without, um, you know, fiddling with them too much, giving them a taste of the major leagues. And, you know, pitchers, I think service time is, is, is less of a linear thing. You know, you know, certainly if you have a playing, if you have a position player, you, you, you put, call him up and you, you put him in, in the lineup and he crews service time. But, if you have a pitcher, they usually use all their options. They go up and down. They 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 spend time resting in the minor leagues and stuff like that. So uh, I could see them starting the clocks on Urias and De Leon. Probably a little bit more De Leon than Urias, just because Agreed. he's a little bit older. Agreed. And and just seeing if they can. So here's your here's your Dodgers impact holds. Get exactly. I mean, get get somebody in there. Let them kind of maybe get some some high impact seventh eighth inning area. Um, you know, because they're not gonna they're not gonna unseat Kenley Jansen. That that's right. just that's about the best you're gonna. I totally agree with you. I, I'd like to see that by the way. Get, give it kind of a Miguel Castro, Roberto Osuna thing where they're trying out these youngsters to see what they can deliver. Um, let's move over to to Joey Gallo because obviously you know he came up with his fanfare. It was looking good early, and then to the surprise of, I hope nobody, I really hope nobody. And and as much as I was really pulling for him to kind of stay an impact player and stick with the team all year, that strikeout rate caught up to him. And again, hopefully to the surprise of absolutely nobody. The bummer here is that he's gone down to triple a, um, and continued to hit for power, but that's it. The strikeout rate has been astronomical. Uh, he's got a 188 average. It just, it's, it's been rough since then for Gallo, uh, with a 39% strikeout rate in 213 plate appearances at AAA with 13 bombs. What, what do you see him getting called up? And again, now they're on the fringe of this, not even really on the fringe. I'd say they're in the thick of the wild card race. I, I think I'd be understating it to say they're on the fringe. I believe they were holding one of the wild cards as recently as yesterday, maybe even today. Uh, no, I'm looking there, a half game back on Minnesota, but they're completely in the thick of it for Texas. 
can they really be putting him in? So again, big name, big prospect. We're excited about him. But 21-year-old Joey Gallo, is he going to come up and, and make any sort of impact? Or is this another one where there's just no room at the end? Yeah, I don't see that one happening. You know, there are other teams where there's a slightly more opportunity to come up and make an impact. You know, when you, you wrote about speed today and you talked about Micah Johnson um, at second base with the White Sox, and the White Sox are out of it, and they're still searching for a solution at second base. And, you know, Carlos Sanchez might be has, – has the glove to be a backup guy, but, you know, not sure that he has the bat to be a starter. So Micah Johnson can, can come up and, and, and do something. But, um, you know, on, on a Texas team that's fighting for every win right now, has a 27% chance of the playoffs – that they're not going to squander that on, um, you know, a guy with a 40% strikeout rate. So yeah. maybe if he'd gone down and, and put up another 1,000-plus uh, OPS like he did in Frisco, it'd be a different story. But They talk about him being a boost to the lineup or yep. something like that and, and, and helping in left field probably. But, um, you know, with Venable, you know, playing the part of the, the, uh, the able veteran, uh, I, I doubt that they are, uh, they're itching to do something there. Yeah, I, I agree. But again, big name. He's at the top of prospect lists. A lot of times for September call-ups, fantasy folks will go and just kind of take the prospect list and start going down and saying, oh, should I pick up this guy, this guy, this guy? So that's this is the high end that we're focused on. Got a couple more on the high end. Then we're going to bounce down to some guys who are a little bit lower on prospect lists but maybe have a better opportunity to make impact. Uh, next up, high on the list, Tyler Glass now having a fantastic season across three levels. Um, really across two levels. I think he only had a small stint in low A. I believe that was a, a recovery situation. 63 innings at double A for Glass now, 243 ERA, 27 and a third innings uh, at triple A Indianapolis, a .99 ERA. So uh, he's been he's been electric there with 11.2 strikeout rate in triple A, 11.7 in double a so i mean he's got all the he's got all the stuff there six eight two thirties you know he's got the size he's got the the strikeouts it's all there but we're talking about a 21 year old who has 27 innings in triple a with a contending team are they even going to mess with him and if would they even consider the the bullpen situation because it's not like they need the bullpen help so is this another dead end or or, or somebody we should get excited about in september yeah, I don't see it happening here. I, I would say that uh, don't look too closely at that walk rate in AAA. Not only is it a small sample, but if you actually look at the game log uh, for him, he had one outing where he had six walks against six strikeouts, and everything else has been twos, threes, um, okay. zeros even. Um, yeah, I see that so, now. Durham got yeah. him for six. Yeah, so that was that was one little blip, bad game. Uh, I mean, it wasn't even that bad of a game, honestly. Well, he still came out of there with one earned run, but, you know. And doesn't, uh, six blocks and hit by pitcher, that's not good. Doesn't he have a big curve? And I know sometimes guys with great curves can almost get hosed in the minors by bad umpiring. Um, now, I'm not saying that was 100% the case, but I remember it really being talked about when Cl Kershaw was coming up as somebody well, who... You no, know, that's interesting. That's You know, for sure, the umpiring... But see, the umpiring should be getting better. Uh, you know, it gets better every every stop, is definitely, what Gary definitely. told me, so... Um, you know, so this should be the, the best empiring he's seen, but, uh, I, you know, also, you know, things can get away from you in one game and, Definitely. you know, yeah. if, if, if Kershaw had a four, nine, four after 27 innings, I don't think we would even be talking about it for him. So, um, anyway, uh, I just don't see it, uh, because AJ Burnett, uh, you know, at some point, 
um, going to come back. Yeah. And even if you think that Locke uh, needs like a, well, actually, you know, AJ Brown is mid-September. Um, you know, Locke is no Locke. <laughs> uh, he, he, he's actually, Locke has been pretty up and down. And people um, in my timeline have been talking about having a, uh, you know, like a tandem starter for him. A Locke Morton. Uh, uh, maybe when, if Burnett came back, wouldn't they have six and then Locke and Morton? It'd be Cole, Liriano, Burnett, Half. Yeah, or people talk since Burnett was hurt, like Burnett himself being, you know, being, uh, you know, somehow linked up with Locke. But um, in any case, uh, I mean, you know, they, they are an injury away from, you know, starting Joe Blanton again. I was going to say they just go back to uh, their uh, relief weapon, Joe Blanton, with his .52 ERA in 17 in the third innings with 23 strikeouts. So, you know, they just insert him in the rotation and he'd beast out anyway. So that's why Glassnow's getting, <laughs> right. not getting the call. It's all Joe Blanton's fault, man. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, I we have Glassnow listed right now behind Hap uh, being, you know, as the fifth guy. They've got Volstad down there and Burnett's involved. I don't know. I just don't see it really. It doesn't seem like, and they and they really jealously guard their their um, our, their service time. So as they should. And uh, I, I, don't, you know, I don't I don't see it. But again, getting questions about these upper level guys, I figured right. we got to talk about it. Let's move over to one. He's an upper level guy, but I actually think there's a chance here. So I'll be very interested to hear your thoughts. I've been clamoring for this guy to be up ages ago and, and you know minnesota has crawled back into it we, we put the nail in the coffin on them at least i did when that when they had a skid and a couple other teams jumped in. like there you go i i just didn't buy that team but they've jumped right back up like i said they hold a half game edge over the rangers and angels jose barrios is he finally going to get the call a 21 year old with a two level season at double and triple a uh he's great at both actually better so far in triple a uh 91 innings compared to 65 innings huge strikeout rates low walk rates it's all looking good uh the knock on him i guess as a prospect what maybe kind of holds him back a little bit is the size you know he's uh, one of those six footers so there there is some discounting of him based on that, but, but not, not across the board. There are still plenty of prospect towns that are very high on him. And I'm a big Barrios fan. I'm really expecting substantial impact in, in the short term, maybe not in September, but in 2016, for sure. Um, what do you, what do you see? Can they call him up? It's not like they don't have room. They've got so many, I mean, I just, I'm not, I'm not sold on their rotation at all. Uh, Urban Santana has actually been terrible you know, uh, Mike Pelfrey's only good at home, and I don't buy that 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 thing at home anyway. Kyle Gibson's the only one who I think is is any good really. Uh, so they they could make room. And, they haven't I mean, yet though. Right now they're running out Tyler Duffy. Yeah. Uh, um, you know who? Uh, you know, brings to the table a you know ninety mile an hour below average four seam, um, a decent curve. Okay, change that he doesn't trust very much, and um, you know just doesn't uh, you know doesn't scream that you know you know make sure you give this guy a chance. I mean he's twenty twenty four non prospect really, um, and uh, you know hasn't been great. And you know I guess we're waiting for him to blow up. I mean we're waiting for him to to match his projections. His zip projections is for mm-hmm. five point eight ERA and a one point five WHIP. So. Um, 
you know, I, I, I think we're waiting on Duffy, you know, to, and I think it'll be easier in, in one week. You know, if, if the next start from Duffy is bad, then the next start could be Barrios's because then it would be September. And, um, you know, it, you know, Phil Hughes is only now beginning to play catch. Yeah. So, you know, Phil Hughes is not there. They don't trust Trevor May as a starter. I was going to uh, say, because uh, that uh, that also bothers me. As I, I liked a lot of what I saw from May this year, except for that one disastrous outing. But they're they're skipping him over, too. He's been great as a reliever, though. So I, I kind of get it, given that their bullpen's pretty awful. They've found a role that can work for, for May. Uh, and he and people have thought he was a reliever. And he, you know... In terms of relieving stuff, he has the, he has what he needs. Oh, I, th- I think like, he could be a stud reliever uh, long yeah. term. Not yeah. not not even you know 19 innings this year. You're not going to get too crazy on 19 innings, but a 189 ERA, a 117 excuse me 116 WHIP, 10 strikeouts per nine, a 420 strikeout to walk ratio. I mean it, it's there and he's got the stuff. I just still had some hope for him as a as a starter and maybe maybe they're just saying you know what. We're going to go with him in the bullpen because uh, he's a great piece there with Perkins. But again, I still don't understand how Barrios keeps getting passed over when they've had ample yeah. opportunity to at least give him a little showcase, like a two-start run in June or something like that to get his feet wet and then maybe bring him back. That, it, it boggles my mind. I don't get it. Maybe they, maybe they didn't believe in themselves either. I don't know. You know, and I, it is so, it's kind of sad because they already took the plunge in terms of service time and, and, and taking their kids up by pulling up Buxton and Sano. So, you know, why not go the full, you know, the full Monty, they, they, right. their GM just watched Barrios, you know, destroy minor league pitching. He, you know, there's nothing left for him to do in the minor leagues and they're still running out jabronis in the, in the starting <laughs> rotation. And, uh, you know, I just, I, you know, it's just like, it's obvious. You know, and there's another name, Max, Max Kepler-Rosicki um, is, a, is a guy that, you know, right now, I guess Eddie Rosario is doing enough in left field. Um, well, in a, in a his sharing defense time. is helping him, too. He's, he, the bats are looking all right, but the defense is, is also, uh, he's, he's made some, some highlight plays. I don't, actually, let me step back. I'm only going off the highlights. Maybe he's terrible otherwise, <laughs> but some of the highlights I've seen have been very impressive. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to sit here and say I watch Twins games every night. I, I know his routes and all that sort of stuff. But it seems right. like every night, I, you know, every morning I watch Quick Pitch, the Minnesota highlight contains something from Rosario, whether it's the bat or the, uh, or the glove. I mean, he's an athletic guy, and I think if you watched more often, you would see – uh, some of the flaws in terms of his plate approach and definitely saw uh, some of that in Arizona. I, I, I don't, I've yeah, and I, just, I don't really press. love the way he um, works his hands before he uh, before he before he swings. I mean, he's got a lot of movement in there, and but I think I'm, that I believe the strikeout rate he's got right now. So I think long term, I'm not that big of an Eddie Rosario guy, and I think Kepler will take his his role at some point. But there's also Tory Hunter, and Tory Hunter's been really bad recently, and he's they've talked out of that lineup. Yeah, I guess not. I mean, yeah, I just wanted to mention Kepler. I guess. No, no, I, I'm, I'm glad you did because speaking of guys that that we've seen in Arizona Fall League, uh, saw him last year and he looked great. Uh, Kepler Kepler was doing some good things. Uh, wasn't showing much power. I think I saw him two games. You know, now and now he's done something about that. I mean, exactly. really, he's put everything together. The the patience that people thought was going to be there uh, really exploded, and then he finally showed that. I mean, he's. He was kind of an athlete, you know. Born, his parents are. Um, I mean, he's German, so I'm gonna I'm gonna root for him through, you know, <laughs> his career. But uh, 
his parents are like about our ballet dancers or something. And like, oh, wow. uh, he's got, he's got a very interesting backstory. And, uh, I think people were dreaming on the tools a little bit at first. And then he, he's finally put it together, I guess, you know, double a 430 plate appearances, 22 years old, uh, might not happen, but you know, they make, they may bring him up for taste. Uh, he's got some speed. He could be uh, backup corner outfielder for them. Hey, he's um, done some center and Hicks is down. I mean, yeah, so I know that's center's why, that's not his thought, primary. That, I mean, I think of all the contenders we've talked about, the Twins offer the most opportunity for someone to come up, you know, for depth for them and then somehow make an impression because they, they do seem like the kind of like the kind of team that might say, oh, wow, look, this guy has been, you know, you know, pinch hit for us here and did this and, you know, took a start from Tory and did some stuff with it. And let's let's give him some run because. We need to do something to to stick with the Rangers and and, and the Angels. So, Bingo. Uh, I, I you know more so than the Angels and the Rangers who have full squads and um, you know have kind of used most of their bullets and decided on what they're going to use. I think the, the the Twins are the interesting team that have bullets remaining, and you know you might see something happen there. Kepler was one of those ones who's a little bit further down the radar that we that we think. Uh, <laughs> could make that kind of impact. I want to talk about another guy like that who, you know, recently had his biggest roadblock, the roadblock that had folks thinking maybe he'd get traded, maybe he would change positions. That that roadblock was removed. Now, it was replaced by another capable player. I'm talking about Trevor Story, shortstop in the Colorado system. Obviously, you get that Tulowitzki roadblock out of the way, and then you see Jose Reyes coming in. He he was probably a little bit happier, but he wasn't doing backflips. You know, Jose Reyes is very well respected as a, uh, you know, a, f- a full-time starter in this league when he's healthy. It's not like they got some schlock in return. Uh, and that's why we've seen second, third, and short in uh, in Trevor Story's game, not only this year, but uh, throughout his career. 72 games at third, 29 games. Those have actually all been this year at uh, second base, and then 398 at short. He plays in AAA uh, PCL right now, Albuquerque. He's got uh, eight bombs, 269 average, 804 OPS, and 223 plate appearances. Not knocking your socks off, but but fine. And and was actually great in New Britain AA in the Eastern League, which is a lesser environment for him uh, from a hitter standpoint with an 897 OPS, 281 average, and 10 bombs. Looks to me like a bit of a do-everything kind, and with Colorado could inflate that. Where do you stand on him, and do you think that they give him a, a shot this year, Trevor Story, to do something in September? You know, when you flip the script from contenders to, you know, bottom bottom table guys, uh, bottom table teams, I think that there there is an opportunity. And, and what happens is these teams are looking to next year, and they're looking to figure out, you know, what they can do next year. And so I think that the Rockies will be – thinking about shortstop and thinking, you know, did we get Jose Reyes because he might be easier to sell, um, you know, less money on the contract? Um, you know, will he will he net us, you know, the, the, the arms that we want? Um, and can, can Story step in behind him? Um, and, you know, in order to answer that question, you need to actually play Story. So, um, you know, I, I think that uh, there's a chance there especially since one of the main questions about story is the strikeout rate. So, you know, you need to call story up and see, is he going to be a guy who strikes out 30% of the time, or is he going to be able to hold that, you know, 22 to 24% of the time, uh, strikeout rate. 
So, you know, I think that is a, is the main question with story, and that can almost be answered in a month. I mean, that's that's you know, strikeout rates one of those one of those numbers that that comes it becomes meaningful quickly. So, you know, I don't necessarily see exactly where uh, he plays, but. You know, it's not like Jose is always healthy. Yeah, and maybe a bit of all of it. Maybe a bit of all three of those positions. Give all the guys breathers. You know, you're not taking Aaron not, You're not taking any of them out because they can't hang. Uh, like I said, you know, right. those are all good players. Even DJ LeMay, who has come down from, you know, what was looking like a crazy career year early on. But he's still hitting 311 and been about league average when you're looking at the uh, OPS plus, WRC plus kind of stuff. And, and plays great defense. And, of course, Nolan Arenado is having a fantastic season. So those guys aren't, you know, having to be cu- pulled out because they can't play. But just give them a little bit of breather. You don't need to wear them down. They've all uh, – actually, just Arenado and uh, Reyes have had major injuries in their past. I don't know if LeMahieu really has. I think he just took a while to blossom. I don't know if it was injury-related necessarily. But either way, I think you could mix them in. Again, it wouldn't be a full-time starting situation without injury – but uh, could could get a lot done, I think, even in a short sample for like an NL only team, especially because of the position eligibility that Trevor Story would have. Yeah, and they get three games in Seattle. You can, you know, that's three games where you can DH, you know, Reyes or something. And yep, um, you know, you know, right there, that's three games and and you know, 15 plate appearances. And all you got to do is, you know you know, finagle him 75 plate appearances and you don't necessarily know exactly what he's going to strike out, but you get a good, you get a good sense, especially if you look at swinging strike rate, you can get a better sense of how much contact he's going to make. So uh, I, I think there's uh, a little chance there for Trevor story. I, uh, I doubt he makes a, a big impact in, uh, in, in leagues, uh, in, in redraft leagues, but what you could do, um, he, he could, if you, if you do hear him getting called up, I think that he might make a good, especially in the deep bench leagues with daily lineups. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of those deep bench leagues with daily lineups almost become DFS where you can stock your roster with lots of players that in the right matchup are useful. And then if you had story on that bench, you could say, well, you know, I wouldn't play him every day over, you know, a, say a guy like DJ LeMahieu, but if he's starting over DJ LeMahieu or, you know, he's in the lineup that day and he got the platoon advantage, I'll, I'm going to stick him right in there. And so at home. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I, exactly. I totally and, they, and they are actually, uh, for September, home, uh, three, six, seven, uh, yeah, 10, uh, 16, 18 times in, that's in huge. September. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, you know, story at home. That's worth uh, a little speculation. And if you have to, if it's a deeper league, you have to do it now uh, because you know September first, everybody's going to be in front of their computers. Yes. Um, so you have to do it now and 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 make a choice. Maybe your worst reliever um, for in the next four days is not going to be useful. You know that useful, and maybe you can find a new reliever later. So. All right, that's, we got. That's a thought. We got one more guy here who's a little bit off the radar, and actually, um, I did my two pieces on potential power impact and potential speed impact guys. Again, a lot, a lot of them, you know, they need something to happen to make a, a substantial impact. But one of the guys I had on there for power was AJ Reed. Now, the, the, there's only one roadblock really in his way necessarily uh, that one of my commenters mentioned was that he's not on the 40 man yet, and I, I didn't go through and, and check all of them to see if they were on the 40 man yet. So that. That piece is in his way, but that can easily be overcome. Um, the issue, or, or the 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 positive side, is that there is kind of an opening. Chris Carter, you know, everyone kind of thought that he would just bounce back because he struggled for a long time last year and then turned it on. 
he hasn't really bounced back. He's been he's been pretty pretty bad. Uh, still hitting 179, 17 bombs, 659 OPS. It's pretty garbage. Now John Singleton's there too. That's why that you know probably the obvious one to come up. But we kind of know a lot of what he's going to do too. He's going to offer a ton of swing and miss and some power, kind of like Carter. Meanwhile, Reed. Why don't you tell the folks about what's been going on with this A.J. Reed uh, down in double-A, uh, split between high-A and double-A this year, blasting 30 bombs as a college hitter. Also, I think he has pitching as a backup. He can he can also uh, throw it quite well. But uh, that's not so relevant to us right now. It's just this guy's a fascinating player and kind of rising up the prospect boards, even though it's tough to be a first-base prospect. So tell us about A.J. Reed and what are his chances of maybe getting on the club in September. Well, you know, he probably, you know, he probably will strike out less than, you know, any of their first basemen, other than Marwin Gonzalez, and you know, he, you know, he, I think he could show more power than Marwin Gonzalez. So, uh, you know, it's only 180 plate appearances in Double A, so this is a little bit more of a long shot than some. But, you know, it's not like the 40-man roster doesn't have some, uh, you know, droppable pieces. For you know, I just took a scan, and guess who their second oldest player is. Um, Samuel Deduno. Oh snap! Not not Deduno. Don't cut him. Is he, is he still <laughs> well, under thirty? No. Oh, okay. He's he's north of thirty. I was I thought it was gonna be some crazy answer like Brett Oberholzer, who's probably only like twenty seven. I was like, right, right, that no, would have no. been crazy if he was the second but, oldest player. I mean, Deduno, like you know, seven ERA, you know, one point six WHIP for the year. Yeah, they, they uh, tried he, to get something out of him in like the will harris mold you know that in the bullpen there well they found right. that guy with will harris you know they were trying to get that lottery ticket who turns into something but it is sort of amazing that a 32 year old is the second oldest guy that's it's crazy and i imagine chad qualls is the oldest yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's bananas <laughs> but your point is that oh, there, there's shoot, some... I, I forgot about oliver perez they just got oliver perez so he's the third oldest but anyway i think the duno you know you can release him and maybe hope that you hold on to him. I mean, he, he's kind of a one-pitch guy. He's got kind of an interesting, like, uh, you know, kind of one-seam sinker situation there. I, you know, he's not devoid of interest completely, but he, he's been outrighted before. I mean, I think that, that's how exactly. they got him. So, exactly. Uh, you know, he, that that's an opportunity that doesn't cost him too much. And if they see something they like out of Reed, um, you know, as a lefty in the platoon, uh, situation for the Astros. I mean, Marwin is a little bit miscast, I think, as their first baseman. Um, and uh, the projections for Marwin Gonzalez are pretty bad. 250, 289, 371. I know that's in a platoon role with Valbuena, but Valbuena's looked really bad defensively at first base. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then you've got Chris Carter, who looks bad offensively and defensively right now. Not so, you know, Singleton hasn't really, you know, taken the, the chance. So, um They've taken some other chances with, with guys in terms of, you know, they, they called up Korea when, you know, some people said he might need some more time. and Oh, no, nobody saw that coming. It, it, was, uh, it, was, it was when everyone was saying, oh, no, not going to happen now. You know, let's calm down on that, Be- which further proves that we don't know, which is why most of the time we say we don't know. Uh, and and if, it, if it's paired with an injury thing, then, um, then Reed is eligible for the postseason, even if they do it after September 1st. So. Um, you know, if, if they can, uh, you know, find something broken on Carter, 
um, you know, then uh, then all of a sudden you've got that opportunity to to maybe get, catch lightning in a bottle at, at one of your worst positions, uh, which is kind of ironic. The first base is their worst condition uh, position, considering that, you know, a lot of the you know, we've said that like Gaddis and uh, Carter and the, the half of these guys look like first basemen and, right. and play like. So <laughs> it's like what you guys can't find a first baseman. really? No, they, yeah, that. It is kind of – that's one position that you thought, okay, they're kind of locked there. They're going to have a big power, and, and they'll be fine. And it, and then you're, they're playing Marwin Gonzalez there for like 35 games or whatever, and Luis Valbuena. Let me just give a shout-out to two starters. They were on the rundown that it seems like maybe you're going to skip them. But um, uh, I think that they deserve a little bit of a, 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 a nod. Robert Stevenson – and uh, Blake Snell. Robert Stevenson is with the Reds, and Blake Snell is with the Rays. Robert Stevenson is an interesting guy because he has two really good pitches. He has a nice big fastball and a good breaking ball. But I he, love the Robert change Stevenson. Up, the changeup hasn't been there. And, no. um, you know, I did look at his game log, too, uh, compared to um, – uh, you know, a guy like Glass now, yeah. And I and I thought, you know, I you know, I'm not. I know I'm just sort of glancing at a, my only game log, but what I'm looking for was, you know, raw walk totals instead of uh, percentages. Mm-hmm. And he's a little bit more worrisome. He's consistently four four three four and and has the six. It's not, it's not as clean of a, a and layout. has a seven. Yeah, so it's not the, it's not as clean of a thing where. It's just one blow up. You know, he he consistently walks three or four batters a game, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's because he's still working on the change. Um, you know, his minor league numbers are in a way uh, less than impressive. But the thing that he has going for him is that the guy in front of him is terrible. And they have like five million rookies already. Like they literally have a rotation of rookies. Might be the worst pitcher in the major leagues. I mean, yeah. I was I was looking through his card, you know, for something. You know, just be like, oh. He has a no. He has nothing. He has okay. a, a, a has eighty-seven a mile an hour fastball. Uh, his changeup is five miles an hour slower, and is his best pitch. And gets twelve percent whiffs. It's below average. Gets below average ground balls. Everything is below average in terms of whiffs and grounders, except for his slider. And you don't use your slider for grounders. So, you know, he gives up homers like a madman. Uh, I just. I don't know what they're I, – I would say that he's probably not going to be useful, like, ever. But maybe it, he gets a little bit of a little bump in the, in, the, in the bullpen or something. But anyway, they have, a, they have an uh, open spot waiting. And, you know, they have to want to see something out of Stevenson on a major league level. Um, yeah, sell I, some I love up. Stevenson. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that he can get the call. There, there should be an opening there to at least give him a try. Like you said, can it really get worse than Holmberg? <laughs> and, you know, Lamb's shown some things. Iglesias, Descofani, you're not going to take them out. Even Kivia Sampson, I think, has been showing a little bit here and there. But I, I would still want to try Stevenson ahead of him. So even if that was the roadblock, it shouldn't be difficult. He's got a 555 ERA, um, you know. So they've got a space to get him in there and at least give him a little bit of taste. So I hope I hope Stevenson gets the call. That's a little bit more in the sort of Trevor Story role where it's like how much how much money do we want to spend on, um, you know, starter? How good is Stevenson going to be, you know, uh, give a sense of like – you know their priorities in the off season and stuff. So I think uh, I think there's a chance there. Blake Snell, uh, there's five capable starters in Tampa, and yeah, he was put on because he's having an obscene year, and I just want to yeah, kind of give it some run because they're not going to bring that's, him up. Yeah, I doubt it. I mean, even to like play in the bullpen, that's not. I don't 
think that they know they're going to do that. So uh, I, I think that's just a name to, to hold on to. I mean, if he comes up, then uh, there's a, I don't I even think they'll give him holds. I mean, I, I think they watch those things. They, they know that holds, you know, can be used against them in, in arbitration. So Yeah, they don't want somebody. That, I had nine holds my rookie year. Get pay me. Right. Uh, no, yes. Snell had a had a three level season, high A, double A, triple A. Um, didn't allow a run in 21 innings at, at high A, but he's 22 as well, so that's not as impressive. But then 157 ERA at double and triple A and 69, nice 34 Great innings, strikeout amazing strikeout rates. The walk rate got better at each level. Uh, that's probably you know uh, it was at 4.7 in those 21 innings. That's probably one of those situations that you're talking about where it's one big spike there that 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 boosted him. So there's a lot to like with Snell. I put him on there because he's he's definitely scaling up the prospect list and had an amazing year. But Tampa Bay likes to slow roast their pitchers, so uh, I would be very surprised if he got called up. All right, you know, let's talk about some some guys having big Augusts. Uh, they're off the radar types. They're, they're they're lower level on the radar, not off the radar, because in fact one of them, Jackie Bradley Jr., is very much on the radar because he got so hot for a while there. But uh, I got six six hitters here who are having really good months. Um, and I want to know how legitimate you think it is and what we should be paying attention to about them going forward, whether it's just in September or beyond. The, the, this first one is not not really a long-term scenario, but uh, my buddy told me that he's been using him as a DFS secret weapon over the last week plus. Uh, it's Andres Blanco. He's got a 928 OPS uh, for the year with five home runs, and I want to say most of that production has, has come here in August. Yeah, three of those five home runs, and he's got a 1076 OPS in the month, just 56 plate appearances. He's out of his mind. He's a 31-year-old journeyman. So, again, we're not talking about long-term here, but this Philly team has oddly been quite capable offensively in the second half despite losing Michael Franco. What do you, what kind of stock are you putting in this Andres Blanco run? Can it continue on any level? I'd like to see some sort of component change that matches the power explosion because really, uh, yes, yeah, the 355 BABIP is, is crazy, but the most crazy number for me is the 234 ISO yeah. uh, from a guy who spent uh, his you know early 20s with a less than 100 ISO. So, you know, is there a component change when it comes to ground balls and fly balls? Sort of, not really. I mean, yeah, his career ground ball per fly ball rate is 1.4, and right now he's at 1.2. Um, that's not knocking my socks off. But and, there, there. and there could be some classification stuff there because all the fly ball gains have come out of the line drives. And, and you know, that's th- right. those two things can, can be pretty close at times, and it, it, it would look a lot more like his normal level if, you know, five of those fly balls were – were more line drives to somebody else classifying them. Right, right. Yeah, and he hasn't, you know, he only has like uh, 100 balls in play or so. So, um, you know, it's, you know, something like that could change things pretty quickly. Uh, Also, you know, no real, I mean, like, uh, you know, one of his more oppo years, but no, like, stark change from last year in terms of pulling oppo. And honestly, I would... I would think that uh, you would see want to see more pull in this situation to be like, okay, he's you know he's found some way to pull the ball more and, and have more power. Um, the uh, hard percentage better than his career average, but not better than the last three four years. So I do think that maybe uh, later in his career he decided to kind of um, sell out a little bit more for power. But 
you know, 2012 in AAA, he lost a whole year. I don't even know indie ball or something. 2013 doesn't exist on his on his card. <laughs> I don't know what and, happened either. And the jump from 2012 to 2014, uh, 111 ISO before he left. You know, a .044 ISO when he came back. So, um, and that was just last year in AAA. Uh, as a 30-year-old in AAA. So, uh, no thanks. I'm not yeah. picking him up. Uh, didn't really feel like you were going to have uh, much <laughs> love there. Just kind of wanted to, to give a shout-out to what he's doing there. Would have been a deep league play anyway or like some sneaky DFS stuff. Let's get into some guys. These, these last five, I think, have a little bit more of a pulse that uh, could at least give you something for excitement here. Well, let's start with Jackie Bradley Jr. I already mentioned him a couple times, which kind of checking back in on him. I think we, we, we talked about him like right when it was beginning. He had that monster weekend, and uh, you know we had some things to say about him, mostly related to how great his defense was. But uh, he's kind of continued after that five-hit, two-homer, uh, Huge game in the in the 22 to 10 bashing of of the uh, of the Mariners there. You know he's he's still doing some things. He still has a 9-10 OPS in the last 10 games since that game, uh, having a huge month overall. His his uh, OPS plus for the year is up to 129 and 125 plate appearances. So we're still very much in small sample size. But this was a guy who was a legitimate prospect. He is just 25 years old. Um, you know, is this a guy who failed? Uh, initially and is now ca- catching on to something here or is it just a hot run that's that's going to mislead and uh, and and trick me into drafting him everywhere next year well i mean he's pulling the ball like a madman and in august it's 46 percent pulled 20 and 19 percent oppo so uh you know that's changed and 40 percent hard percentage so here's that's the kind of component change that i was looking for with blanco yeah and uh and you know, for what's worth, it's worked. You know, he he's got you know a, a two thirty ISO or something, but it's not. Uh, I think it's like a step one or step two in terms of his his adjustment. Like maybe he came up the first time and was more was trying to be more oppo. If you look at um, you know last year in particular, twenty seven percent oppo. That's pretty big. Um, and in fact, if you look at his pull percentage from rookie year forty eight, last year thirty six, this year forty five. So you know he's obviously grinding those 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 um, those adjustments and trying to you know f- find his way through this. Um, and you know he does have a decent hard hit percentage, but there's something missing here. I mean the line drive percentage looks terrible, and I know that line drive percentage sucks, but you know there's something missing here where maybe he only hits the ball hard sometimes and in the air, and the rest of the time there's a lot of weak contact. In any case, all I got to look at is the swing strike rate to say that I, you know, I just don't think, and, and the previous ISOs, I don't think this is a guy that's going to have an ISO better than league average. You just look at his body type and his history. And if he doesn't have a league average, better, uh, he doesn't have league average power, he's not going to have league average uh, contact. And so you're relying completely on speed for Babbitt. And um, and even then, you won't be putting a lot of balls in play. So I still I still stick with my mostly uh, negative uh, appraisal, which is a, no, it's like an empty bat, empty on base percentage, which is more useful in on base percentage leagues. But um, you know, he doesn't steal bases either. You know, no, he so doesn't. Like, he doesn't. He doesn't steal bases, and it looks fun out there. And maybe they use him as a. Uh, 
maybe they use him as as an outfielder while he's cheap. But I, uh, it's not a guy that I would spend a lot of money on, and I don't necessarily think that uh, it's for sure. I think it's you know it's a little bit a little bit of fun, and also could be a little bit of pumping him up. You know, honestly. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, empty OBP with with a great glove though has more use than a lot of other lower rung uh profiles than that you can find out there. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you know but that's only going to help them that's only going to help from a major league standpoint it's not going to help us all that much in fantasy unless you somehow play in a league that combines both of those and i know those kinds of detailed leagues are popping up more but it's definitely not going to be the norm I, I, i'm you know I, i'm in the tank for the guy i really like jackie bradley jr i want him to be good I'm still skeptical, of course. So I, I do want another month to kind of look at it and uh, see see if he can continue to give me some reasons for hope. But uh, your cold water your cold water bath was was noted there, and I, I'm mm-hmm. taking I'm taking it I'm taking it hard. It's tough. It's tough. I want Jackie Bradley Jr. to be a beast, and he just might not be. Uh, let's move over to another guy on Philly. I could have put those two Philly guys in order, but this one I think again has a little bit more of a pulse of something that you could be interested in over like a Blanco, and it's uh, Cameron Rupp backup catcher who you know just having a beast month and it's really all of his good work has really been confined to this month so it's tough to get over the top about him 52 plate appearances but all five or excuse me five of his six seasons homer six season homers have come in this month 340 average 1087 ops having a great month uh any significant change there that we should start to believe that maybe he's getting it a little bit uh with the bat or just still a backup catcher who's going to have a nice little run every once in a while. You know, I do see something here, actually. You know, the catchers actually have the oldest debut age among any position. Makes sense. And, you know, just talking to Dan Heron last night about uh, about catching, he said, you know, that is, that's such a difficult position, you know. He's like, he, Heron was like, I go through every hitter in the lineup for like a half hour. Just trying to decide what I'm going to do, how I'm going to attack them, what I'm going to do in the first, second, and third at bats, that sort of stuff. And then I have to go up and talk to Montero, who has not only you know had to prepare for me, but has to prepare for as a hitter as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you know, we try to we try to spend more like a couple minutes on every hitter, uh, so they can go on and, and prep in different ways. And uh, so I think that makes hitting uh, come last for a lot of catchers. And in terms of like looking across his line. The you know the BABIP uh, you know catchers usually have like a 280 285 BABIP so um, I would regress that pretty heavily but uh, you know is that is that is that strikeout rate impossible with a you know a 13 you know 12 percent whiff rate 13 percent whiff rate and a 26 percent strikeout rate that doesn't seem impossible to me uh, there's guys who do that and um, you know he's uh, reaching a little bit less and. Um, you know, and swinging more at things in the zone. So there's there's some nice uh, pieces to like his plate discipline, and the power is was supposed to be there. I mean, this is the kind of power he was supposed to show pretty much. And uh, so, you know, I would probably take the nicer uh, projections and give him 230 bat 230 batting average, 300 type on base percentage. Uh, 400 type uh, slugging, which is not too far from what he's doing now. Like I actually think, you know, he's a decent little guy. I mean, he's he's a right-hander, so I think his best uses are, you know, platoon, um, you know, platoon deep league catcher, second sure. catcher. They they're playing him more than Ruiz. So. That's the thing, uh, Ruiz. Uh, it looks like they're kind of fading him out. 
you know, yeah. uh, and, and making Rupp more the, the full-time guy. I saw Rupp a lot at the University of Texas, and obviously he was kind of a beast. That's why he went in the third round. Uh, so I'm still shaded by that. That's why I'm kind of letting you take the floor here. I don't want to just be, hook him, man. He's the best player ever. Next, Buster Posey, because he went to the University of Texas. I, I don't want to get – I don't want to say that. Even though it's the truth, I don't want to say that and mislead folks. But, uh, no, I'm glad you have a positive outlook for Rupp. I do, I do feel like it's somebody who will have one of those 10-year career – uh, that, you know, we'll have a few spikes every once in a while. And this, you know, this is a spike month, but I think you could have some spike seasons where, you know, there's just some cheap pop there as a C2. Great home park for it, right? Exactly. You know, he's, he's the guy who's going to try and hit some homers and, uh, and give some value to the team that way. He's not, uh, you know, Ruiz was kind of almost a bad fit in that way. It was where he was trying to just walk a lot. So I don't um, know if this next guy is trying to hit the homers but he definitely is and he doesn't play in a good park for it but that hasn't stopped franklin gutierrez from popping eight bombs and 115 plate appearances got a 299 339 607 line obviously the 308 iso is out of his mind 33 percent homer to fly ball rate i know you you don't want to get too hung up on homer to fly ball rates but it is kind of crazy that uh you know he, he's he's out of his mind right now I, I freely admit that but the only thing that really ever stopped gutierrez was health and obviously it was a big component but this is a very talented guy who looked like he was going to have a damn fine career until injuries and weird ones too just started ravaging him and uh, actually kept him out all of 2014 and now he's back and he's playing well how much of this is legitimate for franklin gutierrez and do you think he'll continue to be a source of production uh throughout the rest of the year in september it's funny that one of the things that was his carrying tool i think was defense it was, uh, he was absolutely. Wasn't he? Wasn't he the original death to flying thing? Yeah, no, he was. He was a tremendous defender, and that's what really brought him on the map and made him, you know, what he was. And because he wasn't hitting a whole lot initially, and then he started hitting, and he was kind of putting it together as an as a do everything player. And then the injury struck. Yeah, I and mean, now he's a left fielder. A little bit less opening for him to continue to be productive for for teams because. You know, with that strikeout rate, you know, not great on base percentage. His career 308 on base percentage, uh, career 142 ISO. Those are both uh, below average. So, uh, what you're talking about is you know that speed that's mostly gone by now, and the defense, which is uh, you know really falling off. So, as much as I I love what he's doing right now, um, you know, long term prognosis not so great. Uh, Short term. I think he's in a platoon with with Mark Trumbo, really. Yeah, uh, except Trumbo is a righty, so uh, you know I don't know what I don't know what Gutierrez is. I don't know what Gutierrez is to the Mariners. Is what I'm saying. I think other than a good story, uh, I don't think that he's that he uh, it really factors in. And if, if they bring in a new person, like a new uh, GM or something, he's going to have none of the. Uh, allegiances you know yeah and uh and you know gutierrez will just be a, a part that he can release probably it you know? looks like uh seth smith brad miller are the left-handed ends of the of trumbo and gutierrez platoon there so you go. There that, you that go. that's yeah. the setup there and that's the real bummer is that it is going to be a short side thing gutierrez will get a, a, a some playing time against righties here and there especially while he's hot but uh what is it too that trumbo is only a versus lefties guy Oh, dude, I did not. I've never been a Mark Trumbo fan. 
but I, I, I didn't that's, see this coming. Far down. Yeah, that's pretty far down. I, the I, I was like, you know what? He's going to play. He's a guy that, that, you know, when he's healthy, he plays a bunch, and you're going to get 30 bombs and, and nothing else. Well, you're going to struggle. I mean, not struggle. He should get 20 bombs. But you, you, you will struggle to get 25, I think, at this point. He's got 17, uh, and it hasn't been good for Mark Trumbo. Let's move over uh, and so, stick with this team. I, I inadvertently put two from – uh, two teams each. I, I didn't mean to do that, but that's just where the guys were. Uh, Cattell Marte is having a great, a great August as well, and he's a little bit different, you know, on the other end of the spectrum from Gutierrez. Not that Gutierrez is ancient at 32, but uh, Marte is just 21. He's a middle infield prospect. He's a prospect of some renown. He's come up, you know, bad bit out of out of his mind right now. But uh, 330 average, excuse me, 333 average, 406 on base because he has an 11 to 14 walk to strikeout ratio. I know I'm supposed to say those the other way, strikeout to walk. But he's got 11 walks, 14 strikeouts. That's great. Not too much punch. You know, doubles power probably mostly turning singles into doubles for a 452 slug, but uh, some speed as well. Three stolen bases in, in 97 plate appearances. Where do you stand on Kettle Mar- Marte and uh, can, he, <laughs> can he keep this up? I, I thought it was Kettle when he came up, but we learned that it is Cattell. Right, right. How do I, where do I stand on Kettle one? Uh, I like it with tonic water. <laughs> uh, the uh, Marte is, um, is 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 interesting. I thought I thought he was going to be a total free swinger. I mean, if you look at his minor league numbers, there's a lot of four percent walk rates in there, and um, you know he kind of fits the uh, the profile of a slash and dash, you know, ground ball, Certainly. you know, run like heck kind of guy. And you know that part of it is true. He's 57 percent ground ball rate, which puts it on the ground. I mean, it, you know, three to one almost in terms of ground balls and fly balls. Uh, but the walk rate is is kind of impressive. I mean, it would be the second best walk rate of his or third best walk rate of his career. Uh, I can't count that 17 play appearances in A ball. So the second <laughs> best. Oh no, actually, I can't even count the eight in Double A. So it would be the best walk rate of his career. Uh, so I don't believe it. Um, but uh, I did want to think about you know where it's come from and how what's happened here. And I guess what's what's going on here is that um, he's not swinging. Uh, his, his swing rate is 40%, uh, and, the, and the major league average is 48%. Okay. He's not swinging outside the zone. That's 23% for him, 31% for the league. Uh, so, uh, but that's the BIS numbers. The pitch FX numbers have him uh, reaching 28% of the time against 30% uh, career. So that's uh, interesting to me that... Um, maybe he is, uh, and, and, and if you listen to the announcers, I, I have, I've watched a couple games with, with the announcers. They say he's a nose to toes guy. Um, and, uh, and that he swings at everything. And then the last piece I just wanted to say was I looked at his game log in, uh, in terms of play discipline. And, um, there were some, you know, some nice games where he's, you know, he swung at one of the, one of eight pitches that he saw basically, um, you know, a couple games in there with 30 percenters. The last two games, 55 percent swing rate, 40 uh, percent reach rate, and uh, and looks a lot more like the slash and dash, uh, nose to toes, uh, make contact with everything. Actually, even though he swung at everything, uh, his contact rate for the last three games uh, on swings is 100 percent. 
hey man, he's dialed in. He only swings at what he knows he can definitely hit. Happens to be nose to toes. (laughs) He's running hot. Cattell Marte is running hot right now. Doesn't mean he can't be an asset even when he slows down. We'll see if the walk rate holds though because you don't buy it and neither do the projection systems and that totally makes sense. All the projection systems have him coming right back down to 4% uh, and that's going to take a lot of sting out of that out of that 406 on base too, especially as as the 394 Babbitt progresses for, for Marte. So, you know, if this is a situation where you think you've got this great product, then you should probably sell. But if you're you're holding on to him because he qualifies at middle infield, uh, you know, shortstop, which is a hard position to fill, and you just need some cheap speed, then you can ride out even the regression because maybe he'll. Four, yeah, four four stolen base attempts and 97 plate appearances is not bad. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. So if if he's going to continue to run, even as it kind of gets down to maybe like a 320, 330 on base. He's still probably going to run whenever he's on. So if you if you kind of know the deal and, and you're fine with what you're getting from Cattell Marte, stick with him. But if you think this is something that's going to continue, I, I, I beg of you to change your tune and probably sell out because uh, you're going to be disappointed. All right, Eno, I got one last guy here. Now this is somebody we have talked about a lot for the for the you know on the whole of the year on the balance of the year but not a lot recently because uh, our boy was struggling a bit but he's having a massive august and it's nick castellano somebody that we pumped up in the offseason as as somebody to take that late flyer on uh because he didn't cost anything and uh, we figure you know had that you mentioned earlier you hate line drive rate it's garbage but sometimes it stands out and his stood out last year um, and honestly, it hasn't just been August. He's been really raking since July. 11 of his 15 homers have come since July, but he's got five of those in August with a 289 average and a 945 OPS. Nick Castellanos is swinging it a bit, and there's some pop. But again, is there anything behind it? Are you seeing it as real? I know somebody you liked. Uh, is this appealing to you or just kind of a fluke? Well, you know, the best strikeout rate of his of his, you know, the best strikeout month of his career is this is this month. And, of his career? Wow. Yeah, and he's and he's pairing it with uh with one of the best walk rates uh that he's shown and definitely the best the second best walk rate of this year. So, uh that's a, a 17.6% strikeout rate, 9.4% walk rate. That is uh very nice. You know, that's Absolutely. that's that's the kind of thing that can lead to uh, a lot of the rest of the stuff we're seeing, and in terms of like you know push pull uh, that sort of deal, uh, he's slightly just become more of an oppo guy uh, as the season has gone along, and and uh, also uh, put the ball in the air a little bit more. So you know I I'm uh, I'm not I don't think that there's necessarily an ideal pull oppo percentage for anyone, but. If a guy can show power and is doing it while going oppo, um, that I think is the is the sort of gold standard for how to be a great hitter. I mean, that's the Joey Votto approach. Is certainly uh, you know show the ability to spray to all fields and do so with power. You know, I don't necessarily want um, you know a guy with uh, middle average type power to to start. And, and and you might have called Castellanos that before, but I think now he's really established himself as having power and having opposite field power. So uh, August also has his best oppo percentage of the of the year and um, in the second best hard percentage. So you know he's he's hitting it hard. He's hitting it the other way. He's hitting it in the air, uh, and he's showing great plate discipline. So I I think. Um, you know, really, it's uh, it's a really good package overall, and it's 
it seems just like little incremental things here or there. I mean, yes, there are some uh, some breakout games, like the two-homer game that's, sure. that's on there. And then he's had a couple of back-to-back games with homers. But it's not like a week with eight homers where you're just like, if you take that week away, yeah, then he's yeah. good. You it, know? Cu- it cuts his production in half and lowers his, right. his OPS by 110 points. No, there's nothing like that. It has been kind of a slow burn. It's weird to hear him spoken about sometimes as if he's some aged, busted prospect. He's 23 years old. And so I, I think it might still be more of a slow burn and maybe even next year. You know, he's, he's he's right around that average mark right now for your WRC plus at 97. Uh, maybe if he keeps keeps going, has a good September, he gets, you know, about 102 or something like that. Well, then maybe next year it's it's 106, not really an overwhelming gain, but just kind of stair stepping. And, and it might even still be until 2017, 2018 that he has a full breakout, but he's still so young. I think. Uh, I say it a million times, but we just get so spoiled by the guys who click instantly. Your Kyle Schwarbers of the world now are, are, certainly aren't helping that, nor is this whole rookie class uh, altogether this year. But a lot of times, that that's not normal. A lot of times guys take a little while, and I kind of like the gains I'm seeing, the slow gains I'm seeing from Nick Castellanos. And I still have some pretty high upside for him uh, as he continues to develop. Here's Here's one level deeper. The... Uh, here are his plate discipline stats for the last month compared to his uh, compared to the season. So uh, for the season, he's reaching outside the zone 36% of the time uh, with a 14% swing strike rate. Those are uh, and swinging 51% of the time. So he's swinging almost 10. You know, you know, he's swinging more than average. He's reaching more than average, and he's missing more than average. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this is what he's doing recently: 29% O swing rate. That's better than average. Uh, 44% swing rate. That's basically average. 9.9% swing strike rate. That's basically average. A uh, little bit, a little bit worse. So basically, he's cut down on his swings. He's cut down on his reaching, and he's cut down on his whiffs. Okay. And he's, that's and, a good combo. It's really that's. And if you look at his and at the sort of, and I did this by using the game log, which is a great way if people are looking to to kind of do their own splits on a player. Uh, all you got to do is go to the game log. And it sums up uh, whatever date range you want to do. So, um, you know, you look at the date rate, you look at August, and he has uh, games. He has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games in August where he's uh, reached at less than uh, uh, 20% of the pitches he's seen. So, um, you know, basically, you're talking about reaching outside of the zone once and at bat. I can deal and, with that. You know, I think almost every hitter does that. I mean, even the best hitters in terms of plate discipline will. Of course. Yeah, and we're talking about the like the rule book zone. So there are pitches outside the rule book zone that you can hit. Um, and, uh, you know. Much to the dismay of pitchers when they make a great right, pitch right. and it so, still gets smoked. Yeah. That's so, uh, always a bummer. And in a lot of those games where he has reached, uh, very rarely. He has a 100% O contact, so you know uh, he's 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 reaching with purpose now. He's 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 looking for his pitch. He's swinging less, and it's the kind of natural growth. I mean, people swing less as they age, and um, I, I tried to dream up in my chat today, like what I thought uh, a nice projection for him would be, like a uh, you know kind of push it rosy sun rosy glasses kind of projection. Yeah, rose, rose, and. Uh, 
I, I went to 275, 330, 475, um, which is the kind of thing you'd expect with like uh, 23, 24 homers. Uh, so 20, 275, uh, if we, let's push it as far as we can, 275, uh, uh, 275, 25 homers, um, next year. That's obviously not the projection. It's a projection. Uh, just wanted to, uh, see who that's most like this year. Uh, that is, uh, not too far from Chris Bryant. That's all, yeah. Uh, it's, it would be, uh, a, a very good Kyle Seeger projection, I yep. think. Yep. Uh, um, this year's you know, Matt Carpenter. Yeah, this year's I wouldn't do next year's Matt Carpenter. No, but, no. Uh, maybe uh, you know your average year Todd Frazier. So I think we're basically talking about a guy that has played himself into the top ten for third baseman next year, no matter what. Uh, even with the baseline projection right now, he's eleventh in third with in third baseman on, in homers, tied with Mustakas. So basically, you could say tenth. In homers, and uh, you know his batting average is behind Mustakas's, but uh, that might not necessarily be true next year. Yeah, because uh, that was the thing with Castellanos coming up is, is folks thought more of the higher average side than this 25 homer upside that you're talking about. So if he does have that kind of pop, and can maybe even bring with him some of the uh, some of the batting tool that was was projected upon him. Then maybe you can squish it even higher and start talking 280. Maybe not next year. Again, I think it's probably more of a 2017 full breakout sort of scenario for Castellanos. But uh, I'm definitely high on him. You know, that's, while we're that's safer. You know, because I mean, he is 23, and 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 the growth so far has been in in sort of leaps and, and stutters, and you know, so you know. But you know, you never know when that big thing is going to happen. That's the thing too. It, it, it's not linear. It, it just it it can just it can just happen. There can be no 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 pre signs of it uh, to help you you know plan for it. So yeah, maybe it is next year. I, I'll definitely have shares of him next year uh, in hopes that it's coming next year. But if you're asking me to bet on it, I would say 2017 is probably that breakout kind of season. Uh, you know that's all we got on the list. But I'd be remiss, especially since we were just talking about the Tigers, if I didn't bring up Justin Verlander and at least get an idea of um where you where you stand with him now you know in light of of a one hitter there's a lot of focus and everyone's now talking about him but even before this Verlander was was definitely pitching much much better his three starts before it were excellent even if you just want to do the the first half second half cutoff which would include two ultra duds in there where he gave up five and seven earned runs even with those uh verlander has a 243 era with 53 strikeouts and just nine walks in 55 and two-thirds innings uh since the break and you know he didn't get much of a pre-break he only had five starts uh, two of them were god awful, and so he had a 5.34 ERA. I mean, a lot of the the ugliness was some small samples, some ugly, ugly small samples, really inflating the numbers, and it didn't look good. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I was saying go get him in a 10-team league. He's he's one he's a buy low for sure. Uh, but I never really thought that he was ever done, and and a lot of people had him cooked, and uh, he's showing otherwise. It, it, how has your impression changed over the last month as Justin Verlander looks more like his older days? Not exactly like, but more like those older days. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I, I I was a little bit closer to saying he was cooked. And um, How dare I don't, <laughs> I, you know, I'm trying to do that thing where, you know, what did I miss? You know, and, and try to look back and, and learn from the moment. Um, 
I will say that there's some uh, change to his movements, uh, especially the curveball uh, in the in the last you know five six start range. The curveball has gotten more drop and more horizontal movement, and looks a lot more like his old curveball. Mm-hmm. Um, that I don't think you can say that's necessarily the case for the rest of his pitches, uh, which still are not quite back to where they were. And there is some bouncing around uh, recently. But um, what I when I do look at um, you know, his yearly, uh, his year data, um, from a pitch type perspective. Um, the one thing I, I always thought in my head was, yeah, here's a guy still has above average velocity. And it, it was the kind of the stuff that I, that I did for CC, you know, where I'm saying, yeah, take the name off of this and just look at what you got. And you've got, uh, you know, plus change up, um, fade, uh, good change up gap. Um, and since his fastball, since his fastball is a good, is a rising fastball, uh, you know, decent, decent gap there in terms of drop and, um, you know, good, good breakers. I would say the curve has had a problem, uh, you know, getting whiffs this year as a whole, but, uh, you know, take the name off of it. And this is just all this year, not even the good, the good segment of this year, 11% whiffs on the four seam is double what you would expect from a four seam. So, you know, that's a good fastball, and he, that's good because that's what you start with. 14% whiffs on the change, good. 17, 18% whiffs on the slider, above average. Not quite elite, but plus. You know, the, the, I would say the fastball is plus, the change in the slider above average. And, uh, you know, if you took his name off that, I'd say, you know, giddy app, man. I mean, that's, that sounds great. You know, it's, uh, you know, if it was a, a prospect coming up, I'd say, you know, let's all sign this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm going to, you know, switch it over to, to August uh, since August started and 12% whiffs on the four seam um, and 20% whiffs on the slider. So something has obviously uh, happened there. And uh, it's not it's not super easy to see. The slider's a little bit harder uh, and that can always be that can always make a big difference. Uh, but, uh, you know, I guess sometimes you got to take the name off of it and, and just really try to just look at what you've got. And he doesn't really have a bad pitch and he's got four pitches and one of them, the fastball is plus. So I I just, I, I can't help but keep wondering how much of the, the struggle last year and even at parts this year was, was health. I mean, I I don't know. And I don't want to just put it on that because it's a nebulous thing that you can lean on and I don't want to do that and just say, you know what, now he's healthy. That's, that's why. But there, there was some work here. I think getting his tail kicked in, relatively speaking, last year, 454 ERA, he, he hadn't struggled like that since 2008 when he was a 25-year-old. He certainly didn't expect to be struggling like that as a 31-year-old. Um, and, and the strikeouts were way down too because at least in 2013 when he, was, when he had that summer of, of struggle, uh, strikeouts were still there. But um, I don't know, man. I always thought that he had enough stuff to still maintain, even when the el- super elite plus 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 velocity waned. And I think now we're seeing that. So I, I hope he can. I hope he can continue to excel. I, I think the life's better, at least for me specifically, he's, which is all I care about right now. Life's better when when Justin Verlander's good. He's also throwing more up in the zone. Um, you know, a full uh, four inches higher on average with mm-hmm. the four seam. And with a rising fastball like that, you'd always you'd always want that guy to, to throw high in the zone. So, um, 
you know, I think that's probably where he's getting the added whiffs from the from the fastball, and maybe he didn't trust himself up there with after a couple beatings or whatever. But, uh, um, you know, yeah, I guess you know, I, I'll admit I was wrong, and um, you know, I just gotta sometimes take the name off, and uh, that's why you know I said CC wasn't done, you know, because he was still getting whiffs, and he still had a page that you know with the you know and cc's page didn't even look as good as verlander's that's why i'm sort of kicking myself now because cc's page included like a below average fastball velocity and a, and a fastball that wasn't as good as verlander's so you know i i if, they, if uh, the regret that i would have is not sticking with him in a couple of those shallower leagues but i i didn't think that there was necessarily reason to when there were better options available and it was a 10 team league where i cut him uh where i cut verlander um I think after the Baltimore start. So right when he gets back from the break, gets his face caved in, right before he goes on this hot run, I was like, ah, I can't do it. At least I'm out of it in that league. But um, otherwise, I I love that he's absolutely dominating. It was a great start last night. Tough pitch, bad pitch, really, to to Iannetta. I agree with the the analysts. Uh, It was Pedro, who I almost universally agree with, and then Harold, who I very rarely uh, agree with. But they said, you know, you got to go back to the slider a couple times there. Don't, don't, Don't give Iannetta a fastball there. And, Either way, uh, it, it wasn't the best pitch. It wasn't the pitch I would have called or, or thrown, but it still was an inch from being foul and, and you know continuing that bat and hopefully getting it out that way. Maybe he was going to go to that fastball and then go back to the slider. Who knows? Still an amazing outing for Verlander. He's on fire. Hope you held on to him. You know, we got to get out of here. I hope you have a great Thursday evening and a good week. Fire, Ken. 